Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Today in the podcast, we talk about Israel and the Palestinians and the ongoing uh, violence there and the reaction from places like NPR, which are very concerned about the Palestinians' sleep habits because of this battle. We'll get into that today. Uh, also, is the pandemic over? Is this it? Are we done with this finally? We go into the details of how the numbers look, why they look that way, and the crazy uh, ramblings of Anthony Fauci. And also, uh, UFOs. The government's just basically blurting out that, yeah, this is happening all over the place and no one's noticing that they've said it. Uh, we'll get into that as well. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast right here on the podcast app, as well as Stu Does America. It's my show. Airs every night at 8 p.m. Eastern, but you can get the podcast, like, even beforehand, right here on your podcast app. Make sure to go subscribe to it. And you can subscribe at blazetv.com slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn for 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV to get not only Stu Does America and Glenn Beck Radio and tv but then all of the other great blaze tv personalities don't miss it blaze tv.com slash glenn here's the podcast you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program holy cow holy cow look at what them jews have done now If you look at the stories today, you're going to see that the Associated Press has come under fire. Yep, yep. Uh, Apparently, the Israelis bombed the AP building. I mean, what will they do next? Now, they claimed that uh, uh, Hamas militants in Gaza were sharing office space with the Associated Press, but that would be something the Associated Press would report, wouldn't it, Stu? I mean, you would, I mean, if they were, if they had, you know, militants in their office building, they'd know it, and of course they would report it. Same with Al Jazeera, which is also in the same building. Yeah, it would be really shocking if they didn't uh, turn that information over uh, to uh, you know their their viewers, their listeners. I mean, it would just be stunning yeah. if they just didn't do anything yeah. about it. Well, in 2014, now they say they had no idea, no idea, mm-hmm. and they think this is an attack on the press. But in a 2014 piece from The Atlantic written by a reporter in the region, They detailed a long and questionable history between the AP and the jihadist group. Quote, when Hamas leaders surveyed their assets before this summer's round of fighting, this is 2014. Remember when there was fighting uh, between Israel and the Gaza Gaza Strip? Remember that? That was before Trump Mm -hmm. and then strangely immediately after Trump. Um, (laughs) When Hamas leaders surveyed their assets before this summer's round of fighting, they knew that among those assets was the international press. The AP staff in Gaza City would witness a rocket launch right outside of their office, endangering reporters and other civilians nearby, and the AP wouldn't report it. 
Again, this is from the oh-so-very-conservative Atlantic. The journalist at the time claimed that Hamas fighters would regularly, and I'm quoting, burst into AP Gaza Bureau and threaten the staff, and the AP wouldn't report it, end quote. So, wait a minute. The AP didn't know they were sharing a building with Hamas for 15 years, even though in 2014 the Atlantic reported on it and was quoting people from the AP. Wow, that seems seems weird. Now, it doesn't give a lot of credit to the AP. You know, it's kind of hurts their credibility a bit, you know, if they were. If they were able to miss Hamas, uh, you know, Hamas staging right there, you know, like a, a sweet 203, <laughs> it would be kind of, be kind of hard to take them as a credible source, wouldn't it? Maybe just a little bit. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, yeah. you'd, it would be an odd building Christmas party, I would feel like, when, yeah. you know, Hamas shows up. Right. But, but I do well, feel like you might not you might not want to have a Christmas party. No, or a Hanukkah party. No, I mean, no, probably not real. Um, <laughs> no. So it's an odd way to confess that you're completely incompetent. Uh, but hey, the APs, you know, not opposed to it. Well, I don't think now, you have to confess it if you blame the Jews for lying about it. You could just say it's not true and then just say those Jews are lying once again. We all know how shifty they are, you know. And uh, and oh then gosh. you just kind of pop that out there and everyone yeah. goes along with it immediately. I mean, that's because you're you're pointing it. You're making it sound like they've admitted this was true. I mean, they're not. They're just saying, well, they did. No, no, no. They did in 2014. Well, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in 2014, that... they were very well aware, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when their uh, reporters talked to the Atlantic, mm-hmm. uh, which. Oh, my gosh, that is a liberal magazine, isn't it? I was thinking that it was a really, really, really conservative magazine. But I just remembered it's not, is it, Stu? It's pretty much Breitbart, Glenn. I think I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> Okay, very... okay, all right, okay. <laughs> yeah, so right. in 2014, they knew about it, but maybe it was one of those damn Israeli rockets that gave them amnesia. And I mean, now they can't remember it at all. What did you have for lunch on this day in 2014? You're not going to remember <laughs> I, it. I so re- a terrorist it, comes in and threatens your staff in the middle of writing right. a, a, a report. You gotta, right. You forget. It's easy to forget these those things. things. It is, <laughs> right, right, right. Now, I did listen to uh, NPR this morning because I want to know what what all the news is, and I am sure that I'm going to get great news coverage from NPR. And boy, they didn't disappoint today. Listen to the report about Israel. Let's go now to NPR's Daniel Astrin, who is in Jerusalem. Hey there, Daniel. Hi, Steve. How widespread is the destruction in Gaza? Well, these Israeli attacks happened overnight, Mm. and every night seems to be more intense than the one before. Stop just for a second. Stop for a second. I just, I just, I just, I just want to reiterate this uh, because it's going to become important. Well, these Israeli attacks uh, have gotten worse, and each night is bigger than the night before. So, remember, last week was horrible. I mean, just horrible. People were dying, and the AP building. Oh no, that was this weekend. Yeah, uh, and so it was just 
Oh, and nobody died in the AP building? Why is that? Well, they gave they, they, they warned, gave a warning. Yeah, they warned them in advance. Huh, and they were they have video of them all collecting their belongings before they could get out of the building. That's weird. They gave them an hour. I'm being told just now in my era. Mm. They gave them an hour, Stu, to uh, get out. So huh. That's mm. weird. Um okay. All right. Anyway, so he says every day they are getting worse and worse. Okay, go ahead. Israel says scores of warplanes again attacked uh, another part of scores. what Israel calls the underground metro. That is what they call uh, underground tunnels. They say Hamas has dug under Gaza to move its fighters and rockets from they one say. place to another. Mm-hmm. It says it bombed about nine miles of those tunnels overnight. Mm-hmm. We don't have any word of casualties from that, but these strikes have been keeping Palestinians up all night terrified. Oh I just got off the phone oh with a 65-year-old woman, Kifaya Abu Jayab. Let's listen. Uh-huh. She says, we didn't sleep at night at all. We felt like, I felt like my heart stopped. And she is one mm. of the tens of thousands of Palestinians, not only facing fear, but facing short water supply. She says she fills up her buckets to use water to bathe and clean when she does get water. Mm. Um, she has just a few hours of electricity a day. Mm. And that's... That was just last night. Uh, the biggest, deadliest Israeli strike so far in this fighting was Sunday. Several multi-story residential homes collapsed. 42 people, inclu- including very young children, were killed. Hmm. Well, has mm. Israel provided evidence mm. to justify one particular strike over the weekend, Daniel? I'm talking about the destruction of a large building that housed the Associated Press Gaza Bureau. Yeah, that's right. That building completely collapsed in the Israeli strike. Israel says Hamas military intelligence was using the building as well. And that destroying the building had crippled Hamas's command and control capabilities. Israel has not published evidence of that. And although Israel warned uh, the building an hour before, there were no casualties. People escaped. Uh, We don't know why Israel didn't tell the Associated Press. Stop. Stop. Uh Mm -hmm. So wait. So. Deadly attacks, yes, but they lead with this crime against humanity. These bombs are keeping people awake. People are losing sleep over this. Mm. Now, I have to tell you, I, I think that's a little out of balance. Are the Is Hamas keeping Israelis awake? No. No. You know, I, no, they're not. I had a similar situation at my home this weekend uh, where my wife is always cold and she refuses to put the air conditioning on when we sleep. And I woke up in the middle of the night too warm to sleep, too warm, too to be warm to sleep. Mm-hmm. Is and, there a Jew in your neighborhood? There, I don't know the answer to that. I don't. Is she Jewish? Does she have she any Jewish be. blood? Get a mm-hmm. spit test. Get a spit test mm-hmm. because... Oh my gosh! I've been got, feeling her head we've for got horns, to do something about and so that. far I've not come up. <laughs> Have with you anything. really? Yes, really. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's well. It's- <laughs> you know what I tell you? You know mm-hmm. what the world needs now, uh, according to the CNN contributor. The world needs now a. Let me just get this quote: "The world today needs a Hitler." So, oh, that was from a. Hmm. Just uh, it's from a CNN well, contributor. There, it's. Uh, to be fair, he never mentioned what member of the Hitler family. He just said any. I mean, it could have he easily been one of the nice ones. I mean, who Judith. knows? Right? Yeah. Judith Francis Hitler. was great. <laughs> Judith yeah. Hitler, sweetheart. I mean, a sweetheart. You know. She could knit. Uh, she made throw blankets for the whole family. Maybe that's was, what. 
<laughs> I mean, not all the Hitlers are bad. Right. So maybe he that's what he meant. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what he meant. It needs a Hitler, right. not the Hitler. <laughs> oh, I don't know what you got, keep Oh, my of. gosh. What We're talking about Scott. <laughs> We're talking about Scott Hitler. <laughs> Scott Hitler. <laughs> what did Scott Hitler What a sweetheart do. of a guy. What, was, what do, is what, Scott Hitler? Yeah, what's he known for? Uh, Scott was a mechanic on oh, Long Island. Really? And, uh, Scott Hitler. Yeah. And, he, you know, the world, we don't have, you know, with the, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to think about a, a deal, Raja, and what he meant by this. And mm-hmm. Scott, probably, because he's a sweetheart of guy, he used to go to the Knights of Columbus. Mm-hmm. And he would play bingo, and sometimes he'd let the old ladies win. It was oh, really sweet. Gosh. Uh, but he also was a mechanic, and, you know, we have a lack of uh, of silicon chips now. And uh-huh. I, I'm sure Scott can help out, well, you know. Well, I guess my one of my questions, because I, I, I have several, but one would be, <laughs> if you're going to set up a business, you, mm-hmm. and your last name is Hitler, do you choose Long Island, where there's a... You know, generally a higher population of Jewish uh, people who might not be enticed to go to hey, a hey, Hitler's hey, hey, mechanic. Hey, 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 just because, <laughs> you know, just because one Hitler hated the Jews. Right. Don't pass that on to Scott or Julia or Francis. Right. That's true. Okay. Don't, they can't, you know, we don't condemn people mm-hmm. for their, you know, for their ancestry, you know, just because one of yours was one of the biggest killers of all time. Doesn't mean you are, right? Right. It's it's you're not the same as your brother or sister. Just like I'm sure the Hitler. Fa- I just feel like there'd be a risk there, a risk factor. Well, I d- maybe he didn't mean Scott. I don't know, uh, but uh, he did. He did tweet: "The world today needs a Hitler." When. Uh, when CNN was asked to uh, respond, they said, "We've never heard of Adil Raja." They never, <laughs> never heard of him. Uh, and then later they were like, "Oh, oh, that well, he'll never work. Oh. He'll never work here again." <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Okay, <laughs> so we got that going for us. Thank you very much, uh, and our apologies to Scott for even bringing your name into any mm. of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, uh, there was a uh, pro-Palestinian uh, uh, group in London that were marching in the street uh, and you gotta love them. You gotta love them. I mean, you know, you're on the right side when uh, the people uh, that, you know, you agree with their stance are chanting F the Jews, F their daughters, mm-hmm. uh, F their mothers, rape their daughters. I think that's good. I think that's good. It's interesting too. It um, seems in some ways repetitive. If you're saying you're going to rape their daughters, you've already already insinuated what your you, the F your daughter's part of it. You're just repeating yourself at that point. And why be so vulgar? Why not just yes. use the word rape? Yeah, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? That is the big That's, problem here. Why assault our sensibilities and 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 really bring civil civilization <laughs> down to that level <laughs> by using profanity like that? And uh, to be clear, I think the Associated Press would probably agree with me on this. This is probably the Jews' fault in some way. Uh, that oh, these I think people the Associated are... Press is working on that story right now. <laughs> They're and maybe CNN, maybe the CNN contributor is working on that story mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, by the way, the world needs a Hitler. Yeah, that wasn't pulled down by uh, by Twitter. That was uh, 
surprisingly, three hours later, that was pulled down by a Jeel Raja. Really? He, uh, yeah, he thought eh, I should pull that one down, but Twitter didn't. Uh, Twitter didn't pull it down. Well, well, because uh, what well, well, he, you know, people didn't understand that he was saying the world needs a good mechanic. Right. And that's exactly why right. They that's just, right. That's they right. Just need a good Long that's Island right. mechanic. That's um, what, by so. the way, you can you can still call. Mm. Uh, you can still find uh, Bollywood actress Veena Malik, mm. who I love. She's your she's your favorite. I remember you you got that whole box set, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 Dancing on the um, uh, him the night the, the grass. What's the, the gra- there's the the big f- thing where they uh, where they go to wash the cows the river the yeah right I remember anyway that. dancing that on great. that river that was a great movie <laughs> anyway mm-hmm. anyway uh, she she posted last week I would have killed all the Jews of the world but I kept some to show the world why I killed them uh, Adolf Hitler that's uh, she did that uh, last week you still find that um, oh no she's just deleted it too she oh, you're kidding deleted it yeah well yeah. she was very she did not she was not talking about scott hitler she specifically said she was talking about adolf, adolf. yeah 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 um, so she was like probably scott called her and said hey i fixed your car you know when nobody else would mm-hmm. why are you doing this to my a family adolf's dead okay adolf's dead i get the blame now my business is hurt every time somebody drives by hitler's garage and they're like what well, it's got to be tough when you've got the garage and, and you're trying to, you know, hopefully people don't associate you with Adolf, but the, then like Adolf the slogan Hitler. is never forget. So it's really hard yeah. to get past that. Like, I, right. like the goal really. is not to forget it. And every time right. they go by your sign, they're thinking I'm remembering right. it again. <laughs> yeah, right. It's kind of bad. It's kind of bad. The best of the Glenn Beck program. David Barton, the uh, founder of Wall Builders, the author of the book, The American Story, The Beginnings, which is just the best short story read of the American founding that you will you'll ever you'll ever read. It is such a great book that tells our story in short little stories that, you know, are not focused on uh, the uh, the place and the bridge and the the date but actually the story and the names of the people that you've never heard of the heroes that built this country um it's a great book the american story the beginnings you should go online now and order it this is a must for every serious person's library and and not that it's a you know serious book it is a serious scholarly book but it is one you can read and anyone in the family could read and get a real handle on America quickly. All right. He is also uh, the what is your title over at the American Journey Experience and uh, Mercury One, David? You're the chairman of the board. Yes, yeah, sir. I'm the chairman of the board, but I'm also yeah. whatever we need, need over there. So I, I, <laughs> I know you're also thing. a little bit of a, a painter, a little bit of a carpet layer when we need it from time to time. Uh, David, uh, David Barton has been by my side for many, many years, and we have been building the American journey experience and also something that, uh, an education, uh, series that we have been building 
for uh, the people who follow him at Wall Builders and also the people at Mercury One that want to come in and uh, and learn. So let's start with this week, David. Let's start with what's happening over the American Journey experience. Tuesday, tomorrow, is the ribbon cutting of the actual building. We finally, because of COVID, this was supposed to happen last fall, but we finally have it uh, ribbon cutting tomorrow. And what is the American Journey experience? The American Journey experience really is a documentary truth, if you want to say, about what America really is as opposed to the 1,432,000 narratives that are out there that aren't accurate. Hmm. So it's a collection of things that you and I have put together over the years, um, literally the good, the bad, the ugly of American history. Whatever the era, whatever the period, if it's the American founding, it's the founding fathers, if it's slavery, if it's free market or socialism, if it's pandemic shutdowns, whatever it is, it's documented in American history. And we have original documents from every one of those eras and every other era you can think of that, that allow people to actually see what happened as opposed to the many narratives that are being pushed. So I was, I was over there uh, Friday, and uh, we were talking about the pandemic, and you said, oh, we have something on that. And uh, ran over to the vault and pulled something out from 1875? Is that right? 1873. 1873. Okay. And it was from the city of Baltimore. Explain what it was. Baltimore was requiring everyone to get a vaccination. Uh, At that time, it was a a vaccination for smallpox, but you're required to get it. If you don't get it, you're fined by the city. Uh, The city paid for you to get it, but you had to have the receipt and show that you'd been vaccinated. And they went in and inspected and, and make sure that you had the vaccination. Same kind of stuff that we're hearing right now, uh, we're hearing back then. And, and by the way, also over the weekend, uh, another interesting piece came up and we found and that the election recount of 1800, uh, the states were talking about how they needed to send state militias to the U.S. Capitol to, to protect the Capitol during the recount. I mean, there's just very few things that we deal with today that we don't have some clue to already having been done in history. Uh, but certainly the pandemic thing. I mean, right in the middle of that debate, there we see it going on in large blue cities even back in that day. Right. And it was, uh, it, but it was city. It wasn't federal. So the city it was said. Not federal. Right. And the city, uh, and, and I have less of a problem with that. Uh, and the city was paying for it. And those vaccines were really expensive. That was a, a receipt from the city of Baltimore that given to a, a black woman, right? It was. It was a receipt for vaccination. Sarah Ayers, uh, a black woman. It was 10 bucks. And back in 1873, that is a ton of money. Uh, 10 bucks fortune. was the cost of the vaccine. That's right. It was a fortune. Yeah, and remember, the gold coin was $20. So that's, that's like in today's inflation, that's like... Uh, Two thousand dollars. I mean, that's yeah, that's it, a crazy amount of money. It would have been about a under a thousand dollars in the money back then. It would, right? it would, but it it was still really high, really expensive. Um, and, and it's you know again the fact the city is doing it and paying for it, and the fact that it was for black communities and white communities. Um, there's just a lot of fun lessons from even that incident and that one single receipt. 
And of course, we have tens of thousands of historical documents like that single receipt, and they all have a story with them. They all do some some really good stuff of just helping us understand who we are and where we've been and the decisions we've made previously. It is unlike everything else that your family encounters today, your kids encounter in school. We're not reimagining American history. We're proving American history with the documents, uh, with the artifacts from the past that that show us even the history we don't want to remember, the history we don't like. It is important that we we learn it. So we can imagine our lives and imagine the American dream for ourselves. We don't reimagine history. History should make us reimagine our lives and our goals and our rights and responsibilities. Okay, so this weekend, uh, we have the American Journey Experience Seminar. It is a two-day conference designed for families and people of all ages uh, we have a few slots still open, and you can register at mercuryone.com. Uh, we're st- we are still trying to figure out how the best way we can get people to uh, come. We did this a couple of months ago, uh, and we didn't charge anything. And all of the people from Texas, I shouldn't say all, most of the people from Texas in the immediate area didn't show up. Um, and I think that happens when you just make the things free. People are like, ah, I was going to go, but oh, well. So we're having to charge now for it. So we don't have an empty seat uh, because this is a really important uh, lesson. It's over two days. David, his son and I teach the class. I mean, they teach the class. I kind of I kind of I'm, I'm there for I, I guess I'm like the, the puppet show that happens in between uh, for co- co- comedic relief. <laughs> Uh, uh, but we take from the 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 Mayflower, actually a little before the Mayflower, to about what 1960, David. Yeah, we go up through really kind of the modern era, the space age. What happened in the space age, and and we move through that time frame. And it's really kind of interesting how this came about. Uh, and by the way, we were just talking about all the documents. That's one of the cool things about being part of the seminar is as we talk about each of these eras, and we will cover from, as you said, uh, from before the pilgrims, um, we really kind of blow up the 1619 narrative real quickly, because 1619 is not when slavery came to North America. you got to go to 1526 when the Spanish brought slaves to North and South Carolina. But nonetheless, there's that kind of documentation, and we go forward for really the better part of four and a half centuries. And as we talk about the stuff, we will actually bring the originals out, and people will get to see and experience the originals. Uh, they will get to go through the vault and get to go through the other areas where this stuff happens. So it's, it's an intriguing experience because you actually get to see and experience truth. It's not narrative. It's, it's truth. You get to see what truth is built on, and that is so transformative. And we've now done this for a few years with young people in the Summer Institute. And so many of the parents said, wait a minute, we've seen such a change in our young people. We want to see some of this stuff, too. And that's really how this came about was there was a a real high demand from parents. 
So you can bring your family, uh, probably not appropriate for little, little kids, just because it's a lot of sitting and listening. Um, but uh, it's really for all ages, anybody that, uh, you know, can sit and, and listen. Um, and it, you can take notes and you will learn more on the story arc of America. That's what this is. We tell you the high points and low points of America so you understand where we started where we are and how we got there how did we go off track how do we get back on track what have we lost along the way what do we need to restore what are the bad things that we should be looking to jettison now in uh, in the way we are as as america so register now it is this weekend mercuryone.com there will also be summer dates uh that you will be able to uh sign up for if you can't make it this weekend but really just sign up for this weekend mercuryone.com find out all the information there now also we have something where we are very very selective on who comes because the classes are so limited uh we have the american journey summer institute this was our leadership training seminar it's a two-week conference for students between 18 and 25 year olds uh it's two weeks of non-stop projects research lectures outings uh anybody wants to learn the truth on american history i will tell you if your kid is going into college this is something you should require them to do before they leave the house. Uh, it is it's quite uh, intensive uh, and it happens here again in, in Irving or Dallas, Texas at the uh, at the American Journey experience, uh, as well as with wall builders. Tell us tell us a little bit about this one, David. Yeah, the, the, this two-week um, session that we do, and it, and by the way, Glenn, not to diminish your part in this, because nobody I know in the country has a better grasp of when things turn wrong and when they first t- turn wrong than you do. I mean, what you do and being able to Thank point you. out what progressives did and when they did it, it is invaluable in understanding where we are today and how to get out of where we are. So you are a key part of this as well. And, and two-week session and the, the, family, um, the family seminar, all of that. So what we did in the Thank two-week you, session is we really take all the narratives um, that, that we're faced with today, whether it be the narratives over is America exceptional or are we socialistic or should we be or have we been or Marxism. You name the issue that's out there, and we will take on that issue and take it back to its root base so that everyone understands, those who come will understand exactly how to deal with that. And whatever a professor says, whatever a peer or colleague says, whatever a friend or enemy says, you'll know exactly how to deal with it. And so it really is the apologetics. It's getting your feet down into all of these areas so that you really know what truth is and you can defend truth and you can persuade others to the truth. So it is one of the most grounding, grounding programs that we do. And it is literally transformative uh, on it the is. website. Uh, a lot I of have, young people have testimonials. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say I've 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 witnessed it myself. And, you know, if your if your child has uh, an open mind and is a serious individual, they need to attend this because I have seen them change in a two week period. It is. They understand their responsibilities. They understand uh, what is happening in their world. 
and their eyes are open to what they've been taught uh and it's and they know how to research and find original sources we've had a student actually teach their teacher their history professor wrote on a, an essay that they wrote and wrote in red ink, not a score, just said, you're either a, a bold, audacious liar or you know something I don't. And ended up teaching that professor weekly for the rest of the semester. Uh, it, it is it's game changing because they access original documents. Uh, one more thing that is a problem, and I want to just hint at it here and David will talk about it in, in one minute. But we're also this year doing a teacher's conference, three-day conference for teachers. This is so wildly important because our teachers are going awry because of the unions and everything else. From wallbuilders.com is uh, David Barton. And it is .com or is it .org, David? Uh, it's wallbuilders.com and .org. And the same with Mercury okay. One. It's .com or .org. Okay, good. So tell me about the teacher's conference. Yeah, the teachers' conference is a lot of fun because we have so many good teachers across the country, but in a lot of ways, they handicap themselves by not knowing the right pedagogy, and I, I just mean the teaching method. Um, there is a reason that until 1920, nobody went to school past the eighth grade in America. Once you got to eighth grade, you went to college, you got a career, but that was when school ended, and it was it was usually only a few months a year that you went to school. Uh, it was not based on the formula we have today that if you're a certain age, you have a certain knowledge. It's totally different. And so what we do is we go back and show, here's how it used to work for hundreds of years. Here's how you get the best results. Here's some of the best teaching methods. And by the way, here's the content, uh, because the content is simply not there in most textbooks anymore. And again, just like everything else with American Journey, we take you into the vault. You get to see the actual original educational documents, how we did this what worked for centuries, uh, why it was that you can have someone like Benjamin Franklin, who's a, a elementary school dropout, be one of the most brilliant guys in America. It's because of the way we taught and what we knew. So that's what we do for teachers. It's a very I transformative event for teachers. We give college students, 24-year-old 20, 20, college students, the eighth grade test, and most of them don't even know what it's even talking about. And it's it's not that it's... It's not that it's, uh, you know, old-fashioned language. It's just extraordinarily difficult. Eighth grade. Yeah, that eighth grade ex exam that you had in America, you, you couldn't get your diploma if you couldn't pass this eighth grade ex exam. We have never had a college student pass that exam since we've given it. That is truly remarkable. All right, so for teachers... Also, for students in the summer, both of those are in the summer. Go to wallbuilders.com and mercuryone.com or .org. You can go there now and sign up for this weekend, the American History Story Arc. We will give you in two days all of the touch points that you need with the original documents and evidence from our vault it happens here at the mercury studios and the american journey experience you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program on on what happened on 60 minutes last night did you happen to catch any of that i did i watched the whole ufo segment if that's what you're talking about what did you think <laughs> It's pretty amazing. We've talked about this for a while. 
this would be the biggest story in the world. I feel like any other time we were doing the show and they can any other time in the history of the world. There was a moment they were talking to the biggest story to the to the guy, one of the guys who was running this sort of program um, related to UFOs. Uh, uh-huh. And they asked him, they said, you know, what do you think about these, uh, you know, UFOs? Are you, are you saying that these are possible? He goes, it's not me saying it. He's like, we're well beyond that. The U.S. government is telling you that it's happening. I'm not saying it's not me saying it anymore. It's the government yeah. telling you. The question is, what yeah. are these things? OK, so l- cut one pilot on UFO. It was aware. Listen, to it this. was November 2004 and the USS Nimitz carrier strike group was training about 100 miles southwest of San Diego. For a week, the advanced new radar on a nearby ship, the USS Princeton, had detected what operators called multiple anomalous aerial vehicles over the horizon, descending 80,000 feet in less than a second. On November 14th, Fravor and Dietrich, each with a weapons system officer in the back seat, were diverted to investigate. They found an area of roiling white water the size of a 737 in an otherwise calm blue sea. So as we're looking at this, her backseater says, hey, Skipper, do you? And about that got out. I said, dude, do you, do you see that thing down there? And we saw this little white tic-tac looking object. And it's just kind of moving above the white water area. As Dietrich circled above, Fravor went in for a closer look. So you're sort of spiraling down? Yep. The Tic Tac still pointing north-south. It goes and just turns abruptly and starts mirroring me. So as I'm coming down, it starts coming up. So it's, it's mimicking your moves. Yeah, it was aware we were there. He said it was about the size of his F-18, with no markings, no wings, no exhaust plumes. I want to see how close I can get. So I go like this, and it's climbing still. And when it gets right in front of me, it just disappears. Disappears? Disappears. Like gone. It had sped off. What are you thinking? So your, your mind tries to make sense of it. I'm going to categorize this as maybe a helicopter or maybe a drone. And when it disappeared, I mean, it was just... Did your backseaters see this too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was four of us in the airplanes literally watching this thing for roughly about five minutes. Seconds later, the Princeton reacquired the target, 60 miles away. Another crew managed to briefly lock onto it with a targeting camera before it zipped off again. You know, I think that over beers, we've sort of said, hey man, if I saw this solo, I don't know that I would have come back and said anything because it sounds so crazy when I say it. You understand that reaction? I do. You've had some people tell me, you know, when you say that, you can sound crazy. And I'll be honest, I'm not a UFO guy. But from what I hear you guys saying, there's something. Yes. Oh, there's, there's definitely something that, I don't know who's building it, who's got the technology, who's got the brains, but there's, there's something out there that was better than our airplane. So you know, when they tracked it at 60 miles away, they believe it can pull 6,000 Gs. So you understand that. 10 Gs is what the space shuttle launch uh, a pilot has to take. 10 Gs is right in the area between 9 and 11. You pass out as a human. What can withstand? What metal? What, what device? What anything could stand 
60,000 G's. Nothing we know of. Now, they're saying this could be Russian or Chinese, but I don't think so. Uh, Here, play uh, pilot on UFO, could be Russian Chinese tech. What do you think when you see something like this? This is a difficult one to explain. You have rotation, you have high altitudes, you have propulsion, right? I don't know. I don't know what it is, frankly. He told us pilots speculate they are one of three things. Secret U.S. technology, an adversary spy vehicle, or something otherworldly. I would say, you know, the highest probability is it's a threat observation program. Could it be Russian or Chinese technology? I don't see why not. Are you alarmed? I I am worried, uh, frankly. You know, if these were tactical jets from another country that were hanging out up there, it would be a massive issue. But because it looks slightly different, we're not willing to actually look at the problem in the face. Uh, we're, We're happy to just ignore the fact that these are out there watching us every day. That's not entirely true. If you want to go back, you want to really go in depth on this. I did a show with the guy that has partnered who was with with the Pentagon. Actually, Petraeus was the one who selected him because he was not a UFO guy. Uh, And he did the initial investigations for the Pentagon that you're now seeing released. He's now in a public private partnership with the United States uh, government and the military. And he explains what they found and uh, and the the danger that it is posing. Uh, last night on 60 Minutes, they only talked about one place. It's uh, up. Is it uh, over? It wasn't Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, I can't remember. It's one of the bases right around Washington, D.C. I thought it was near Annapolis uh, in uh, Maryland, but... There is this restricted airspace, and they are in it every day. They are monitoring them. That We're monitoring them, and they seem to be monitoring us uh, every single day. They said they've tracked them every day for the last two years. Somebody is uh, monitoring, as you will hear on my Friday podcast. I don't remember what episode it was. Can you see if you can uh, alert uh, the uh, the blaze and see if they can mark this podcast uh, so people know exactly which podcast it is? But there, we did a podcast about a year ago now, and it 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 will chill you to the bone because something is monitoring all of our nuclear bases, and I I haven't heard if they're doing them. To anyone else, I know they're doing them to our allies. I don't know if they're doing it to our enemies. Is it, is it foreign technology? The answer to that was answered on my Friday exclusive, the UFO show that we did. Um, it would be this technology is so far advanced that no, no country on Earth, they believe, could even be close to this technology without it changing everything that they do because it's completely different technology than anything we've ever seen uh i think it's it may be episode number 43 blaze tv 
Uh, Glenn Beck Friday exclusive episode 43 strange things. New evidence may indicate UFOs, a possible national security threat. That was on a Friday show about a year ago. You can find that it's it is worth the price of subscription at the blaze just for this one episode. It's amazing. Uh, and you can find it at blaze tv.com slash Glenn. If you use the promo code Glenn, uh, you'll get a discount on your year's subscription. Just make sure you join us. We need you to, to uh, stand by our side, but we also want to give you information that you can't get anyplace else. Amazing on blaze tv.com slash Glenn promo code Glenn. Na, na, na.